Welcome back to Abundant Culture Podcast. Where we dissect the mindsets and tactics of the true beasts of business. People like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, and Warren Buffett. All to create a blueprint to experience life more abundantly. Hey everyone, so glad to have you back today. We realize here at Abundant Culture that every business owner has stages of development that they must go through in order to reach their goals. But the problem is that so many business owners in America actually get caught up and stuck in the early stages of their development and actually never reach their goals. But after this podcast, that no longer has to be a problem for you because today we're interviewing the founder of Cultivate Advisors. Not only has this person scaled his first franchise to over 90 units, but he also helps over a thousand business owners actually reach their goals. So feel free to take copious notes and listen to Casey Clark. So Casey, thank you again for coming on to the Abundant Culture Podcast. Uh, When we saw you at Joe Martin's event, we were like, yes, we have to get him on the podcast because what he's saying is just awesome. And like, we love your whole presentation. Um, So before we jump into the meat and potatoes of the podcast and kind of what you were talking about that night when we met you, um, can you give a little background into like your backstory and how you got into business? Yeah. So I actually, uh, I went to university for a theater and music major, actually, awesome. uh, is, is actually when I went to school. And I thought for sure I'm going to be famous. You know, I had the, the stars in my eyes. Yeah. Um, and I realized very quickly I did not want to wait tables the rest of my life. Uh, I wasn't that talented. So I, that was actually the start. And when I was trying to figure out well, what am I going to do? I actually remembered my grandfather had run a small vacuum company. Uh, he had done it for so many years. And as a kid, right, when you're growing up in Christmases, you don't know what you don't know. But at the time when I was younger, I, I remember going to grandfather's house, grandpa's house and going, okay, he has his name, you know, on his truck. Uh, mm-hmm. He gives us the best presents. Being an entrepreneur must be cool. Yeah. Uh, literally that's how simple minded it was. Right. So I made it, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to run a business. I'm going to go on entrepreneurship. I've always kind of gone on my own pace from, you know, running, uh, you know, uh, the paper routes as a kid, you know, on rollerblades, getting it done as fast as I could, you know, mowing, you know, lawns through high school so I could pay for school. And, um, nonetheless, that was kind of what I knew was going to be a business. So, uh, while I was in university, I decided to enroll in a program called college pro painters It's actually a franchise system. I started running my own painting business in school. I just never been a big academics guy. And that's when I got my first taste and I went, holy cow, I love leading people. I love the opportunity to run my own business, the autonomy. I love the risk. Uh, It's a game, right? And um, for me, and then I started realizing you could influence and help so many people uh, and you can make the world a better place pretty quickly by really infusing the right ideas at the right time. So that's what got me, I think, really excited into the business world and excited about running businesses. Awesome. That's awesome. So what kind of influenced your decision, I guess, to go into a franchise um, in, in, in the painting industry? Like what kind of was it kind of like just by chance? Did it, it was it something that fell into your lap? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, well, it's, um, so the franchise has already existed. Um, so the, so the painting franchise is already there. They found me, they, they were recruiting for students who wanted to run a painting business. Um, so that's, that's how it, it happened actually through a fraternity brother of mine, uh, you know, said, I'm doing this. And I was like, you don't run a business. He's like, no, I do. I'm like, no, no. I was like, all right, 
they're probably going to like screw you over. Don't do that. You know, you know, I felt, yeah. You know, and then sure enough, like a week later, I'm in the interview process and I'm writing them a check and, you know, buying a business and away we go. Right. So, um, you know, nonetheless, uh, that, that's kind of how I got started, but I like franchising. Uh, and I like those in the painting industry because painting was really simple. Uh, you know, you could teach somebody how to paint in a day's time, literally to do outside painting. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, what was really cool is you got to work on all the soft skills of the business, like leadership, recruiting, sales, marketing. You got to learn all those different aspects, how to run financials. So all the training and all the development I received in that program and then went on to, you know, eventually lead and even t- kind of take over that franchise system throughout the central part of the U.S. All that experience gave me was how to start a business over and over again with more and more people learning how to get people off the ground, how to build a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked it because it was a business in a box and I got to really learn how to run a business before I had to take the risk on fully in my own brand and do it my own way without the franchise systems in place. Yeah. Yeah. So I know um, there's a lot of people who probably, you know, don't really like franchises and then there's some people that love them. And then maybe there's some people that are indifferent kind of in between. I know that the first company I bought was kind of already an existing uh, franchise. Um, So can you tell me, is is franchising something that you feel like would give an entrepreneur a good start? Like, is it kind of, would you recommend it to somebody who says, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know anything about entrepreneurship? Yeah, good question. You know, I don't view it that way. I, I, um, you know, and again, we'll get into what we do. So I think that we're able to help small business owners create that same type of success without franchising, right? But we work with a lot of franchise brands. We help support a lot of franchise brands to this day. And so I'm obviously a big fan of franchising. But what I've come to find is that franchising works really well in specific industries, right? From the home service space, you know, to the retail restaurant space. When you start to see some of those, that's where you're seeing majority of franchise success are probably in those two industries I just named. Now, sure, there's others, uh, but it's really just a form of distribution of how to get your product and service out. So I think if people, uh, I think three things. One, if you're going to start a business and you don't have the creative chops and you don't like building the systems, you don't like getting in the weeds in the creation process and you just, you want to be trained on how to something and go run with it, you need to go run a franchise, <laughs> right? Yeah. If you're more of the creative and you want to build it, you want to have your brand, you want to establish that and you're, ex- you're excited to go create it all from scratch and you're comfortable being in the gray, number two, Go, go run a business. Yeah. And then number three, use franchising when you discover you don't want to have to do, you don't want to really have to lead a lot of people. You want to have a smaller team, but you want to get a national scale. That's a great time to use franchising. Otherwise with, you know, the online abilities and, you know, the ability to kind of uh, work remote these days and just what that gift has given us in the last 20 years of how the world is, you know, and the environment's changed. Um, you can spread across the U.S. without a franchise now if you have your own company to grow it. Um, but again, you have to have that decision. Do you want to lock people in and have others driving your business for you and more pay the world, get the royalty, or do you want to structure it? So I think those are the ways to use the franchise is more of a distribution ability and then understanding, are you a creative or are you, are you really not comfortable in gray and you want the black and white and this is what you go do to be successful? Both are great options depending on who you are. Yeah, I totally agree too, because like, um, for me, I think entrepreneurship, this journey has kind of been like a a development. Mm. 
And if like when I first started, if you would have told me, oh, just go start a company, I would have been like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, where do I start? And then it, it yeah. kind of gave me, it kind of helped me dip my toe in the water. And then all, I, then I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then I took the full plunge and then started, you know, doing other things that weren't necessarily, um, you know, franchise and kind of, you know, groundwork yeah. thing. So I definitely agree with, uh, with what you said there. Yeah. But what I love, sorry, just one last thing. What I love about franchising though, is that those that don't have a business idea or don't know what they want, they just know they need to be a business owner, but they don't know what service or product to get into. It's so awesome to be able to go do all those discovery days and experience all the different franchises. So it's a great model for those types of folks too. If they're trying to get into entrepreneurship and don't know how that is a good place to navigate. Um, so anyway, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Great. Um, so you scaled the, like your franchise, you scaled it like to a great number of locations. Um, sure. how did you get to the number that you got to? Like, how does someone scale in the franchise industry? Yeah. Well, first, obviously I get to start in a pre-established franchise that already had some franchisees, but yes, we did grow the, the, the central part of the U S there that I was in charge of. I think you know, there's really a lot of things that can factor down to growth, but I think in that specific situation, these were a few things that stood out. One, um, it was all about the leadership team, right? Like to be able to scale at such a far pace, you have to understand so early in the game of running businesses. And, you know, now we've, you know, we help, you know, hundreds and hundreds of businesses every, every month move the needle in this, but you have to learn how to give up control and understand that it's your people that are actually running the business, not you. You're just the one that gets to be the, the captain of the ship. Uh, and you get to maybe call some shots, but you have to have their buy-in. You have to have them also thinking critically themselves to drive. So getting really good people mm. and getting, empowering them to take action and aligning them to the goal and not being so consumed with the path to get there is so crucial. I would say that was one thing that really stuck out to me in my experience. I think the second one was just, I'm a competitive guy, transparently. <laughs> um, I want to build something big and I want to, I want to be great. I have those big dreams that I know so many other entrepreneurs have. And, um, when I first got into it, you know, one of the things that I, I remember thinking a lot about is like, it's, you have to be comfortable. You have to remove perfection. Mm -hmm. A lot of entrepreneurs get into entrepreneurship because they uh, want to see something go better or be better. And so they get a little more perfectionist in them, but what they don't realize is they have to fight that feeling. And instead you like just turn that into motivation and, and drive and be comfortable doing things, not knowing what the heck you're doing, jumping off the cliff, figuring out on the way down and do the best you can. So I remember there were multiple times, you know, going up into 50, 60, 70 franchisees, moving the needle and going, what the heck am I doing? Uh, you know, and I had some good mentors at, at the company there that were helping me for sure. But it just, it was so much about me just being comfortable going, who cares? I don't know what I'm doing. I, I mean, I remember literally being a senior in college and I was leading 23 franchisees, you know, <laughs> responsible for 400 employees and going, ah, I'll figure it out. I got to go to class, you know, and it was just that it was that blind confidence and not getting caught up with what are people going to think about me? What are people going to do? You know, do I have to make this perfect and just going, I'm doing my best and operating gray. I think those are the two leadership and operating in the gray yeah. is probably where, where I flourished in, in terms of being able to get that scale. And that's just so, that's so amazing that you were able to do that because what I realize in entrepreneurship is that like a, there a lot of times self-esteem like literally kills people mm -hmm. in their businesses. It's yes. the idea of that. I have to be the best. I have to be perfect. Perfect. I have to be all of these things. And yeah. it's totally not true. And like 
I'm so glad that, you know, I have a partner that pretty much lives with me and, you know, she can, she can, you know, (laughs) catch me when I'm trying to be a perfectionist. And I can also say, Hey, you know, this doesn't need to be perfect either. And there, there there've been times in our business where like literally we were trying to be perfect and nothing got done. And then we finally put out an imperfect podcast or video or a piece of marketing and it did fine. And (laughs) nobody noticed that like it wasn't quote unquote perfect. So I love that you say that. And I think more entrepreneurs around the world should uh, definitely start embodying that, you know, because when you start off, it's impossible to be perfect. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that, right? When we talk about some of our stages maybe today, but like it's, uh, it's, it's truly is people get stuck talking and mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. and paralysis versus doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and once you just start doing, you start to realize it's activity and the hustle that actually gets you across the line when you first get out of the gates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really much more. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> great that you actually brought up stages because I think that was our next question. Yes. So uh, it, you talked about at your at your at the event with Joe Martin. Yeah, the stages that an entrepreneur can go through, and I think yeah. were, were there six of them or five? There's five, five stages. Yeah, five stages. Uh, could you explain those uh, five stages kind of briefly and talk about? Uh, yeah. what each one kind of means and sure. you know how to get through them sure yeah well and just to give some context for those listeners like um these five stages really came from our experience we've advised you know hundreds and hundreds we, it's actually into the thousand now but uh hundreds and hundreds of these uh small business owners getting off the ground scaling a business from zero to ten million and we've seen people at all different walks when they come to work with us and our job is one thing to help them grow so just to give some context as i walk through these this is us watching all of these people going through the process in, in 200 plus industries where we've been able to go, this is really interesting. These are all the similarities we continue to see. We then created these stages and now we use it as our internal language uh, and it's kind of taken off and there's been a lot of people have picked it up and now used it as a guide to know where they're at inside of each section of the business. So the first stage is hustler. Um, and it's, uh, most, most of the stages are defined by the org chart. So in this case, the hustler, it's, it's all you. You're the solopreneur, you know, you're the owner of the business. Uh, you, nothing gets done unless you don't, do, you don't go do it. You might have vendors or a contractor here and there helping you, but you are the solopreneur. And there's so many people that make, a, make that their lifestyle. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. But the only way to get out of that stage is what I was talking about is hustle. And that's, that's why that first stage is called the hustler. The idea is to say, get out of your way, focus on sales and revenue, get out of the perfectionism, get out of your self-doubt and drive like crazy and get to the next stage. And people always want to know, well, what revenue is that? Well, it's different in every industry. So I'll give you a a somewhat of a range. Like usually we see anywhere from zero to two, maybe 300,000 in revenue. And a lot of industries, it really depends. But the the key there is you're on your own. The next stage is what's called the experimenter. And this is really that stage where you're, you're going to find yourself. What is your, what is your niched in product or service? What is your niched in type of culture you're going to build with your first couple of employees and the org chart that comes with the experimenter now is this concept of going, all right, I'm going to hire my first couple employees. I'm going to figure out how to scale past just myself. I'm probably still as the owner doing a lot of sales. I'm the one still doing all the backend admin work. They're all players in my business, right? They're the ones on the front line serving the customer or helping me, you know, create the product depending on what type of business it is. And in this stage, the whole concept and why it's called the experimenter is it's what it stands for. 
start experimenting. Yeah. Say yes. Any client says, can you do this? Absolutely. I can. Can you build that product? Yep. I can do that because that may help you open up the door and navigate to what your end product or service is. Yeah. That helps you get to a scalable widget. For sure. And that's what really leads you to the next stage, right? Uh, now you've got the, uh, the visionary. And so the experimenter probably wraps up anywhere from, you know, anyone revenue from 300,000, maybe five to 600,000 revenue. But again, it's just those first couple of employees. The visionary is really now where you're going to go, I'm going to really scale. This business is going to be about me now leading my group of employees, not me actually servicing the end user. And that's a big shift that has to happen. And the reason why it's called a visionary is now you're going, no, I'm actually really clear. We did the experimentation. I know my product or service. I know my specific widget. I've, I've identified that. I know how I'm going to scale this. Now it's about learning how to scale through human capital. And it's about going, now I'm going to maybe go 10, 12, 13 employees are probably all still reporting to me most likely. And this is where I have to learn leadership and I have to become a talent acquisition expert. I have to learn how to find phenomenal people, probably cheaper than what most people hire in the market because I'm still getting the business off the ground. Yeah. Um, but that's that common problem that people see in stage three. Mm-hmm. Now that we're past visionary, we now call it the systemizer. This is where you're going to start to bring in maybe a leader or two. And with those leaders to take over your sales department, you start to kind of become departmentalized at this point in the systemizer phase. And what people struggle with constantly is the ability to empower others to take over control and start running those departments. And what you're doing too, though, is you're now going to start to build systems because you figured out how to hire people in the visionary stage. Mm. You have to pass that over to your leaders in the systemizer but now what you're going to do is instead of just scaling through, you know, human capital, people, you're now going to start to scale through systems. And so the systems that you're designing, think of them as guardrails. And this is the biggest thing that hits everybody. Whoever starts, whenever somebody starts a business, like I've got to build all these systems. Biggest mistake you could ever make. It's the number one out of all these stages we see. Everybody's spending all this time on systems. Kind of goes back to our perfectionism. Get out of it. You don't even know what your end product yet is. Don't even know who you're per, who's going to do the work. You don't know exactly. Wait, wait till you get to this phase. So then you can then build out all these really cool systems through tech automation, you know, SOPs, all the, all that fun stuff to be able to drive the growth. This is now probably talking anywhere from maybe two to 5 million is when you're in that range. Most, again, it could be depending on really it's once you start to have a couple leaders in place and maybe an employee count of maybe 20 at this point. Mm-hmm. And then now you're up to, the, the, the final stage, right? And this final stage is important. We call it the influencer, right? So you have a hustler, experimenter, visionary, systemizer, influencer. And this is what I think a lot of people are reaching for. You, why do you want to become the influencer? Well, this is because you're now leading through a leadership team, right? It's yeah. not just you now. The leadership team is built in the different departments. You can be, you know, what's called an absent owner. It becomes, starts to, you start to hear things like passive income starts to become something. Mm-hmm. You're, you're much more likely to be able to sell your business uh, because they're, they're buying a business, not you that's running it. Yeah. Um, but what most people don't understand is when you get to that stage, you've lost a lot of control. You're now a cog in your wheel. And so what most people start a business for is not be a cog. Uh, you're now just another cog and your own wheel that you built that was so big past yourself. But that's really what you have to get to before you could ever think about getting into a mid-market multi, you know, multi, multi-million dollar business. So those are the five stages that get us. Hustler, experimenter, visionary, systemizer, influencer, zero to 10 million. And we've, we just see it constantly. People hit these places, these, these items here in the stages that hold them back from getting that exponential growth. Yeah. So what do you think is kind of like, 
that thing that so i guess the question would be where where would you see most businesses actually stop and why do they actually stop there hmm. that's a hard question you know we meet so many owners at all the different stages mm-hmm. um i can give you some some interesting like perspective on on data like you know 90 i think it's like 95 or 96 percent of businesses don't get past the experimenter fit stage oh, right wow. they don't get past 500 to 600,000 in revenue um so so few of companies in the u.s get past a million bucks uh it's 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 wild actually how few the numbers are uh when you look at it on a percentage basis and so i would say majority then for that reason are, are getting stuck in that hustler and the experimenter phase mm-hmm. um and a lot of it's just because of education like um, to think that you're going to, let, let's just think about how much work you have to do to become a doctor or how much, how much education you go through to become a lawyer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All these super technical roles that, you know, and they're great. They're great roles. Like, and there's those people are awesome that, that go after that and, and pursue that. Why do we think that it's going to be so easy <laughs> to start a business with all these hats? You have, cause you don't have to become experts at anything. You have to become a jack of all trades. But it's so enormous and daunting. How do you be a great leader? How do you know marketing offline and online? How do you know sales? How do you know financials? How do you know recruiting? How can you master all of these skills? Oh, and by the way, be awesome in your industry. <laughs> yeah. And learn everything to know about the industry, the product, the service lines. And, and then, oh, also you need to go like, know everything about your competition and how to differentiate yourself. The list is, is so massive, right? Mm-hmm. why the heck would anybody do this alone? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Right. So you speak to franchising, like that's a great outlet, right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be a great outlet. There's tons of really great programs out there. Right. I mean, but that's also the genesis of why we started our business because we, we literally looked at the market and went, no one's teaching people how to really run a business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all high level. It's all, here's my curriculum. No one's going out there saying, you know, we have to. So to not talk about us, but to talk about, you know, people running their business, it's like, I don't care if you were with us or whoever you work with, but go find somebody. You're crazy. You know how much time and money you're just losing every day because you don't just let somebody walk you through how to grow a business. R and D Robin duplicate. I share it over and over again. Like in that early stage of the business, I think that's where people get stuck. They think they're going to figure out this new way. There's been millions and millions of business owners that are starting every year that are getting off the ground who have already learned it. R and D. Roblin duplicate what other people are doing and just outwork everyone else and then figure out how to make yourself special. I I mean, it's hard truth, but that's, that's what we really see most often. Definitely. And I like, as you were talking, I'm like thinking about, um, we, when we first like started about uh, what, over a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. um, in business, we learned something that we're like, okay, yeah, we're good. We got it. And then we learned something else and then we're like, okay, yeah, we got it. So like, I think it was a couple weeks ago, you did a hiring webinar and we were able to get on it for like the first 30 minutes or something. Um, cause we had like a podcast after that. But when I register for it, I'm like, wait, we still are not great at like, hiring and recruiting like we still yep. have work to do we still have learning to do yeah and and it's like i feel like entrepreneurship like it, it could 
it could easily be like a like if it was offered in like college or something mm-hmm. it could easily be like an eight-year degree <laughs> yeah because it's so yeah. much you know you know it's interesting i i changed my degree from using theater to entrepreneurship so i have an entrepreneurship degree from university really? of illinois yeah um and so it is a thing um what was interesting is i got a good perspective on types of businesses i got to understand the mechanics of a business but I don't know if you can learn how to run a business without running one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like you have to understand what it means. And those of you that are business owners listening, like you'll, you'll know this, how it feels like that emotional roller coaster that you go through as a business owner, those ups and downs of just I'm amazing or I absolutely suck. Like those are so hard. And it's the you, same day. Yeah. Same minute, same hour. What are you talking about? Like, Right. So it's just like when you don't get that until you get that experience, it is it's impossible to understand the depth. And I'll give you guys this really cool analogy. I think I think everybody will grab onto this. One of our advisors gave me this this really cool analogy. Um, Running a business is uh, like a life of a living as a lobster. And like, where the heck is this going? Uh, (laughs) Lobsters do not their shells do not grow. Okay, so think about the shell as the business. Right. And think about then the lobster as as you as the owner. And as you continue to learn and evolve in running a business, you have to grow out of your shell and get a new shell. But what most people forget about is through that process, what lobsters do is they actually have to, they have to get really uncomfortable, right? And they have to break out of this lobster shell. It's really, really painful, really Mm -hmm. awkward. It's uncomfortable. And that's what you have to do when you want to grow from stage to stage as a business owner, like how you're saying, oh crap, we still got to learn recruiting. (laughs) <laughs> right? You got to get uncomfortable. Like, I don't even know how to do this. Oh, boom. But then you forget, oh my gosh, I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm naked. Right? My shell is gone. And so now what do I have to do? I have to go get a much bigger shell, right? I have to, I'm growing. I'm going to grow as a lobster now. I'm going to get a bigger business. I get a bigger shell. And I got to work really hard and wait for that shell to happen, which is going to take time. And then once you think you're good, the next learning curve comes and you're getting uncomfortable to get naked. I mean, that's just, it's, it's the cycle of entrepreneurship. When I heard that analogy, I just, I just died. Uh, Morgan out of our team came up with that just to give her a little bit of props. Cause it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but it, we, we talk about it a lot internally at our company because that's truly what we all experience as entrepreneurs. For sure. Yeah. And another thing I was wondering is how do you guys actually manage to coach and help literally a thousand plus companies actually yeah. scale because I think a, and I, I don't know if this is a, com- a misconception. I think it is, uh, but I'm still new. I'm still learning. Sure. But I feel like a lot of people think that all businesses are so different. So how can you yeah. go into these different industries that seem totally unrelated and then tell them, okay, um, here's what you're doing. Here's what you could be doing differently that will yeah. actually help you get to that next stage. It's a good question, right? Cause it, when you feel like you feel like, well, my industry is so different or I'm so different as a business owner, right? How could you possibly help me? Mm-hmm. That's, that's ego, right? Just <laughs> like that's, that's people, that's our egos alarms going off. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, I can't speak to what other business coaches do and, and we don't, we don't actually compare ourselves. We don't really look at ourselves as coaches, but we do, we do look at ourselves as advisors because we do mix coaching and consulting together. I think that's an important thing to acknowledge because yes, we're coaching, we're pulling it out of them. We're helping them hold accountability and kind of helping them find their way, which is coaching. 
but we're also consulting. We're bringing a lot of direction. We're implementing a lot of systems. We're building a lot for our clients. That's one of the ways we also get exponential growth. Awesome. So, so I think when you attach this industry question, first off, our process, we're tailored. It's always one-on-one. -on -one. We're working with our clients in a one-on-one -on -one setting. We're helping them for them. And I don't think people realize that business owners have personalities. They have strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. We can help them build the business and show them a way to build the business that works with their strengths and their weaknesses. So the way we grow each business is different. We're, we're very unique. We're very tailored. We don't have a set curriculum we take somebody through. That's not, we're not a training company. We're actually getting in there, giving time to help them. And so the industry piece of it is really straightforward. If you don't know your industry, you need to go hire an industry consultant. But when they work with us, we expect you to be good at your industry. We expect you to be passionate and, and be committed to your business and to your, in, to your uh, industry. You shouldn't need us for that. You're hiring us as your business partner. We're coming in with the business acumen and the business knowledge because the transferable skills, like I keep mentioning, we call them the hats of the business, right? Mm -hmm. Sales, leadership, recruiting, marketing, financial, productivity, operations, systems, like all those things are consistent. And what we love in our background, first off, most people we work with are like, oh, you've probably never worked with my type of business. We're like, yeah, you're wrong. We've actually worked with that industry. <laughs> um, so now we've worked with so many industries, we, we pretty much have a lot of the data we need. But um, nonetheless, because we don't know your industry, we're, we're not afraid to ask you stupid questions. We'll mm -hmm. ask you questions that everybody else maybe just assumed that you're already doing in your industry. But we're going to make you challenge everything and, and open up the door to, to go to the next level. So in short, we don't want to help people with their industry. That's a whole other uh, service and solution that people should, should find. Mm -hmm. We're here with one mission, teach the business owner how to be a business owner and how to grow a business. I don't, I don't care if your, your business is a food tour across somewhere else in the world, giving people you know, culinary experience to a trampoline park here in, in the city of Chicago. I don't care what type of business it is. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're gonna go through a lot of these same experiences and you're gonna have to learn the soft skills to be able to get to the next level if you truly want to operate a scaled business. Yeah. And I think uh, some of our viewers, um, they may have, you know, necessarily, you mentioned something before, they may have hired somebody or maybe they're getting ready to hire. And you had a whole webinar on that. I'm not asking you to explain that over again. But sure. could you talk a little bit about, uh, I think in the visionary stage, you mentioned that you should hire people and you probably have to hire people that are a little bit cheaper than what the market rate is. Could you explain a little bit on how someone may be able to go about doing that? Yeah. Yeah. I can give you some perspective on it and shameless plug. Always be, always be selling first rule of being a business owner. If you go to our Facebook page, cultivate advisors, you will actually find the full webinar on Facebook. We, we post it always a day or two after. So if you guys didn't get to see the back of it and you're interested, you can go find it. For sure. Um, so I do talk about that, but high level, I mean, a couple quick hits. One, uh, everybody wants to be a part of the next big thing that's going to grow. Mm -hmm. They want to be a part of the story of creation, even if it's not going to be massive. Just the fact that they get to have a say and feel like they get a piece of it and a little bit of ownership in their mind that mm -hmm. they help create something and make the world better. Even if it's just making your own personal lives better, that I don't care who you are. That is attractive. That is attractive. I've sat across the room from people who make seven figures a year trying to figure out how to get them into my business. And they're super interested because they see what we're building. They're excited because I create that with them. And it doesn't always work out because I can't get the money to work. 
but you should be able to get attraction with your product or service. You should be able to get attraction in the fact that they get to take some ownership. So start there. That's what you have to play into to bring them into the conversation. And then you got to get creative with compensation. You got to realize that it's okay to build a business with, with partners that have equity. It's okay to build a business, right? With, um, profit sharing. It's okay to build a business that has ridiculous commissions that really make no sense for your first few employees. <laughs> I mean, when we started my first few advisors we brought in, it was literally like, Hey, bring us this. And then you just take everything. <laughs> you get all the upside because we just wanted to get started, you know? And then now, you know, five years later, our, you know, our advisors are completely comp compensated completely differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand it's about getting action and you just look at the big businesses everybody follows, right? You look at Amazon, you look at Apple, you look at all these businesses. When they started, they did really weird stuff that would never make sense in a scaled model. Yeah. Just to get going and get off the ground. And nobody that has a really large business, very rare, I shouldn't say no, it's nobody, I'm sorry, it's very black and white, but majority of the time, people don't have 100% of their business. And the reason why is it's just cheaper to give up the equity early on to bring in that type of talent early to get going, get off the ground. You can always buy them out later. Yeah, that is so, true. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's honestly the roots. Yeah, that was uh, my mentality uh, with the first uh, franchise we bought. When we bought the franchise, we actually had no money, like absolutely yeah. none. And we, we had this guy who, um, he had money, but he's just like lazy. He doesn't want to do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, so basically what we did is we just uh, kind of partnered with him, kind of like 50-50 thing. And okay. we just ran it and he was kind of like the money partner. But he also does, you know, he has mm -hmm. also a service because he also, um, he does help with certain things that he does know. Okay. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs are afraid of giving mm -hmm. up equity. And for me personally, um, it was something that I would rather have a percentage of something big mm -hmm. as opposed to all of nothing. And I think that's the uh, cognizant, conscious choice that a lot of entrepreneurs need to start making, you know, especially if they're trying to gain traction. Yeah. yeah. Why, why do you run a business, right? It's for a lifestyle. It's for the ability to own something. It's a passion yeah. to change the world in some capacity, even if it's your own. Those are all reasons why people run a business. And I think what we forget is, but what's the end game? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? Because why wouldn't you just go get a job and do that with somebody else where you don't have to take any of the risk? Yeah. Right? So when you connect that end game and you realize the sale, I think what a lot of people don't realize is if it's the, when you go to sell your business, if you're still a hundred percent owner, this is my belief. I don't have the data on it, but my belief is that it's harder. It's harder to sell your business because you haven't actually even made a sale to get somebody to join your team as an equity partner. Oh, wow. imagine, sell, imagine selling all hundred percent for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, the emotional ability to give up control. I can't tell you how many stories I know of people who maintain control had offers to sell at a decent amount and it died and they end up making nothing off the business. And it's because you just have to understand you're only going to be able to take the business so far. It's about a collective group that's going to help you get the business to the next level. Um, and I don't care who you are. I, I haven't seen anybody be able to figure it out. Uh, even Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, right? Like there's like you've, you've got partners, you've got, you're going to always have that, um, as part of the, uh, the equation. And so find me somebody who's just scaled a massive business than hundred percent are absolutely out there, but they're unicorns. Mm. And a lot of times it's because the right product, right service, right time, and a little bit of luck. I don't believe in luck. I believe you make your luck. 
Yeah, for sure. I, ne- I never looked at it that way. Yeah, that's a neither. that's very compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> As an investor or a private equity company or you know a comp a competitor, like it's a lot easier to look at a model and go. Oh, so you own even if you own seventy percent, it's like great. So you sold thirty. So somebody was interested. Somebody yeah. likes this business. That validates my opinion of being interested in this. For sure. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then um, at the entrepreneurs workshop meetup that we uh, yeah. saw you first at, um, I have sure. in my notes that you said hire entrepreneurs. So yes. um, is that what you meant by like maybe giving them equity or? Yeah. Yeah. So earlier on, we talked about uh, in the earlier stages, what I was talking about is hire entrepreneurs. So in that, in that experimenter phase, like you're probably not gonna have the money to get the raw talent that you want. Mm-hmm. You have to get creative right now. I go on to say, then hire generalists and pay top dollar, then hire specialists and pay top dollar for talent at the different stages. That's what you have to know what stage you're in. So I just want people to be careful, but early on, if you're just getting your couple first employees out, don't settle and go with a low tier employee, go find the highest employee you can get and tie them in the business, get creative, figure out what you have to do. Because imagine everybody's like, I wish I could duplicate your, myself. That's what I always hear business owners say. I wish I could just duplicate myself. You can, there's unbelievably talented people out there. I assure you, you're not alone. It's just, are you willing to give it up a little bit and acknowledge that you don't have much to lean on? And that after you make all your money, and you start your next business, maybe you'll just pay for it out of the gates because you have the ability to do so. But if you're bootstrapping, you don't have the financial capabilities, you got to get others to go along with the ride with you and drop that ego. So yes, hire entrepreneurs because they need to be they need to be willing to take on a lot of hats and do, you know, if anybody's like, well, what's the job description? Wrong. You're hiring the wrong person. Like they should be like, what do you mean? Your job description is help me run this business. It's going to be mad chaos and it's going to be crazy <laughs> and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. That's the, that's the conversation you're yeah, having. For sure. Not, here's the job description. That's, that's not the company you're signing up for. No, yeah. I do not have benefits. Yes. I will give you a small allowance to help you pay for those benefits, but no. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's it, right? That's the moment I've been there. We've helped so many people through it and it's, it's important to embrace that and enjoy the journey along the way. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is one takeaway you would like for people to kind of glean from this podcast episode? Reach out. To, no, I was just joking. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I think it's this. I think, I think it's, can I, can I have two? Can I have two? Yeah. yeah. Quick. As many as you want. Uh, no, 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 no. Keep it short. Uh, two things. One, these five stages are real. Like, and, and if, if you found yourself when you're listening to this going, wow, I haven't viewed it this way. Or I didn't realize it changed so quickly. And so, you know, and there was so much I had to learn in all these different facets. You have to own that, drop the ego and start to become a student of entrepreneurship and that your job is to go rob and duplicate what others are doing and that there are systems out there. If it's ours or, you know, you know, EO or whoever you want to follow, find someone that you trust and you believe in and figure out and get someone else to teach you how to run a business because you're going to save so much time and so much money. And we'd love to be that partner for you, but go find somebody. So that's, that's the first one. All right. The second one that I would share is this. At the end of the day, you have to have passion and complete commitment to a business. And so what annoys me the most when I meet business owners is when they talk at me a lot about their successes and they don't just go create the successes. And so if you find yourself, you're one of those people that are talking a lot about wanting to run a business 
or you're thinking about it, start doing. I know it seems so simple, but just start doing the business and be just embrace failure and just go screw up as much as you possibly can. Absolutely. Until you do that, you don't get the education. Yeah. And, what, and what I find when I meet these business owners, every time, the, the ones that have scaled, majority of the ones that I meet, they have unbelievable business acumen. They've learned the hardship of how to run and grow and scale the business. And they got out of their way and they, they did it with other people and they got there. So it's just, it's just a continual trend we see. And uh, for those that are out there running a business, you're doing a great job. Keep at it. The world needs more and more entrepreneurs. It's the, it's the cool hip thing to do, but what's even cooler is when you employ people and you give them their livelihood, when you make a difference with your product or service. I mean, that's, that's the epitome of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So we need more and more to, to take the charge. And um, I think that's our mission here is to, to help those business owners find and navigate that way. And that's why we're so passionate about helping these business owners get to that next end goal um, because we know what the, uh, the impact of the world can be. Awesome. That's great. Um, so you are on the Abundant Culture podcast, and we have to ask every guest that comes on, how do you spread abundance? How do you define abundance? Um, That's a good question. That is a good question. I think everybody kind of has like a different definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for me, it's pretty subjective. Yeah, for me, it's kind of like kind of what I think of when I think of abundance is having so much of something that you could actually afford to share it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you have so much of something and you don't share it, that's not full abundance. And I also feel yeah. like if you don't have enough to share, that's also not abundance. So I I feel like it's I have more than I need. And also I'm willing to, you know, give some of it away that I kind of yeah. consider abundance. And I don't think it's just money. I, yeah. I think it could be anything. Some people have an abundance of knowledge. Some people have uh, an yeah. abundance of, um, you know, some people have a like b- abundance resources, of re- resources <laughs> and then, you know, just all of these different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be so simple as, as water. There was a water crisis at the uh, church that I go to. Mm-hmm. Sure. And there were people literally bringing in pallets of water because some people yeah. had more than others and they just gave their excess away. Uh, the definition online says a very large quantity of something is, is, is what it is. So when you asked me the question, it made me think and go, well, what is abundance then? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why I ask is because I actually think that's my answer back to you. It's like you actually have to figure out what is your ab- abundance? What is it? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll, I'll steal a page from Simon Sinek, right? His why factor. Yeah. What's your why, right? Because what it also goes on, if you, you know, on Google and you search it and you can like tear down and see the other, you know, ways that some uh, word is defined. It also mm-hmm. says plentifulness of the good things of life, prosperity. Well, what is a good life to you? What is prosperity to you? You tap mm-hmm. into that why you truly understand why you do what you do and you don't just get trapped in the cog and you really understand what it is you want. You'll find abundance. That's what I believe abundance is. Awesome. I love it. I do love it. <laughs> so this podcast was extremely awesome. And I know people will definitely need your services. So how do they get into contact with you? Awesome. Yeah. So two options. Uh, it goes to the same place. Check out cultivatedvisors.com. There is a really cool 
uh, quiz that they can take that help them find out what is their stage of the business currently. So that's a great place to start. Yes, we'll follow up with some more information. You can then catch out our webinar where we talk in much more detail about all the different stages. That's a great place to just start. No obligation. You can just learn more about us, but more importantly, learn more about yourself and the business. That's one option. Second option, if you're like, nope, don't need that. I'll get to that. I'm just ready to get going and you're feeling aggressive and you want to get this thing moving, <laughs> reach out to us on our contact page. There's a, there's a bunch of different ways to get in touch with us on the website. Um, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll look at potentially giving you a couple free hours with one of our advisors. We'll figure out what's the right advisor for you based on your industry, your personality, and what your, what your weaknesses and strengths are of the business. We'll match that to the right advisor and then we'll let you sit down with that advisor for a few hours if it makes sense for both parties and really let you test drive the experience of working with us. That's the only way we will uh, get into an engagement with a client because for us, we also need to believe in you. We need to believe in that you have the ability to grow and scale the business. So those awesome. are the two ways you can do it. Awesome. Awesome. Great. And I have to say to the audience, um, so we were going through this um, process of getting like the, um, the free consultation uh, with one of the advisors and I think we were talking to Stephanie. Yeah, we were talking to okay. Stephanie and um, she was trying to determine which advisor was best for us. And what we came to the conclusion of is that um, maybe we should just wait until like the coffee cabin actually opens um, yeah. so that the information can be more relevant. Um, yep. So I love that, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't pushy and like oh. even she agreed like yeah let's wait a little bit so um i i just have to you know give that to you guys that was awesome great customer service awesome well thanks and, and i think the 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 belief behind that just so you know in our culture is this our goal is to be your business partner for so for you both individually is to say, hey, when you get that business going, our goal is to be with you the next five to 10 years with you and help you through that growth and help you achieve those dreams you're shooting for. Our legacy is do companies we work with grow. Majority of who we work with, they absolutely grow. And that's why we're scaling and that's why we're so successful at this point. So just, just keep that in mind. That also, that's a good lesson for anybody. Know when to say no. Yes. Yeah. Right? K-N-O-W. <laughs> when to say, you know, because uh, <laughs> yes. that's, that's, it's uh, so crucial. And you're right. We, a lot of times we don't work with pre-revenue folks. We want you to have the business kind of be into it. And then it makes sense. Doesn't mean we're not willing to chat with you and point in the right direction. Um, that's important too. So yeah, I really appreciate it. This was great guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> so that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you got as much value out of this as we did. Keep in mind, the only way we can improve is through constructive feedback. So remember to rate and review this episode. Also, you are not the only person that needs to know this super valuable information. So be sure to subscribe and share as well. Stay tuned for the next episode. And remember to always spread abundance. Peace.